Okay, well, we are coming pretty close to the end of Hebrews. We're on chapter 13, and today we're doing verses 4 through 7, I think. No, 7 through 14. I had the numbers all jambled. 7 through 14. And would anyone like to pray before we begin? Thomas? Thanks. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your blessings that you've given to us. We're holding on fast. God, thank you for the peace that we can find in Christ and for the truths of your word and how they are immutable. Um, thank you again for this day and for bringing us together. Help us to focus on your word. Would anyone like to read 7 through 14, chapter 13? Sure. Thank you. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings, for it is, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, through which those who were so occupied were not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no authority to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood are brought into the holy place by the high priest as an offering for sin are burned, up, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his blood, suffered outside the gate. So, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the one to come. Okay, so we start off in 7. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, who are some people that you have seen uh, live the Christian life well, and you feel like you should imitate. Jesus. I'm just kidding. He's the Christ. He's not Christian. In life or in the Bible? In life. In your life. My, my own personal life. Your own Forrest Donovan Brown personal life. Ooh. Thank you for going with me. I mean, our elders... In our church, they're selected for a reason. How has that impacted you in your life? What could you imitate? They're very approachable. Mm. I'm not always approachable. Mm. Something I can work on. Good. Well, it's just true. I'm not approachable. No, I know. Sometimes I'm. No, but now I'm like a hot thing. I don't want to talk to people most Sunday mornings. There's a lot of women in here who are really great moms and like super sociable. Like, how are you doing? I'm like, bruh. Just... Get off my face. <laughs> <laughs> my kids screaming. Right, right. My kids are, are eating something that they really shouldn't. Right. Yeah, I can relate to that because on Sundays I don't feel like talking to anybody sometimes. I'm <laughs> just like, the door. <laughs> yeah, what else? Christians that we could imitate. There's 
So the first verse talks about, like, remember those who spoke the word of God to you and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so I asked, who are some people in your own life that have uh, been worthy of imitating because uh, of how they've lived the Christian life? You know, I can see, like, my parents lived out the Christian life. I might not agree on everything theologically, but their foundation is strong. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a um, there's a couple of people in Michigan that I think back to let me have a good example of living the Christian life. Like there's um one family that we stayed with um, when we visited Michigan. They have like eight kids. Like they have a ton of a ton of kids. But they're all like uber mature and like uber like think for themselves and also have a strong foundation. Um, and so just seeing him and living or staying with them for like a weekend or a week, that was very found like helpful to see how he parents and lives Christian life and how very approachable has a good relationship with his kids, but also just talking about things, I don't know. I can't think of anything in particular, but just in general. Yeah, I remember you, you telling that story and one of the kids you asked how he was doing and he was like he was reading something and he was just kinda like down about sin, he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sin's yeah. rough." Yeah, and and I was, you know, he's, yeah, that was years ago. He's probably like fifteen now. No, he's probably eighteen now. He's like, you know, yeah, I don't know, yeah. So but, you're saying it's you're an old guy now? <laughs> no, okay. I'm saying, yeah. I'm just saying I've seen old guys do do some things. Yeah. I think we can also imitate yeah. previous Christians who might not have taught us directly, but. When you read their writings and stuff, they're who? teaching us. Who? Who? Who would well, do something? Is a really good okay. Guy. That's not what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> okay. I can I can honestly say like Bodhi Bakum has been very influential mm-hmm. in how I understand my role as a husband and father and and how I have imitated him through the words of his book, his books, not necessarily his methods, but his principally like how how is he with his life. Where is he with his faith? How is he with his children? And, and some people, Bodhi Bakum. But Bodhi Bakum is, uh, he's honestly one of the, he's a godly man who is worthy of invitation. Okay, can I, can I add another one? Yeah. Well, there's two come to mind. Any Puritan, any Puritan I've ever sat down and read has been like game changer. Every time I sit down and read a Puritan, for me personally, like I'm rethinking and like a lot of things that really kind of has a large impact on my life. So Owen, Bunyan, Downing, like every Puritan I picked up has been like phenomenal and worthy of invitation. Some of the things that they, they say are incredible. But also, also Paul Washington. Paul Washington's been very helpful. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of people that can teach you indirectly. Especially with today's technology, sure. you know. Yeah. I mean, I listen to Dr. James White daily. Um, On the shirt. And yeah, the shirt. Um, and, but his his uh, approach to just any kind of biblical subject has really formed the way that I approach any biblical subject as well. Yeah. Because he's mainly an apologist, so he thinks, well, if I say it this way, how is that going to affect my my um, 
my biblical presentation to this kind of a person. If I think of it this way, how can I affect that person? Not that you change it, but you find the most precise way to, to present it. Yeah, I heard him debating someone, and I, I'd never, really, I'd known of him, but never heard him talk. And I was like, wow, was, he gave some really good examples, and like very, not too up here examples to this guy who kept blabbling about being a doctorate degree, but thinking that Christians can be gay and all this stuff. So it was, yeah, it was, he had really good points. But. I think it's worthy, I think it's worthy to point out, if you have already discussed this, just stop me. Is it does say remember you are leaders? Those and then it qualifies that with those who spoke the word of God to you, or the word, yeah, spoke to you the word of God. Um, and I think his his exhortation for remembering these people, yeah, is similar to saying, hey, and this is not I'm not trying to self-serving here, so forgive me. Uh, and remember, remember the person who's actually feeding you the word. Um, every week uh, at, from the pulpit, the one who's charged with your leading you in a more shepherding fashion um, and what is worthy of imitating, imitate. And remember that. And uh, don't... I think we're just too often, too often we can get sucked into this, well, I have all these other preachers and these other podcasts but no, this is not meant to be offensive. They're not your pastor. Yeah, right. They're not preaching to you. They're preaching to their people. And while it might be something worth cleaning, it's not necessarily for your heart. God has put you in a place where the pastor appointed above you is feeding you the word, and he is sovereign and worked it out, and you need to hear that. And so if we, I think it helps when you're trying to figure out, like, this is just not, this occurred, This has occurred in my head multiple times, I've heard people say, this is just not connecting with me. Like, I just don't understand why I'm, being, why I'm here and listening. Uh, not necessarily, like, that directly, but I've, that's a, a level of, I'm misunderstanding what's happening. Right? God has placed this person, whoever this is, bringing the word, whether it's Forrest, me, or Pastor Johnny, um, and they are bringing the word for your heart whether it's to equip you for something in the future, to edify you in something right now, or to exhort you to live more Christ-like in this way, whatever way that is. And so I think if we keep that in mind, that this is my pastor, like, no offense to David Platt, but David Platt preaches really well, but he's preaching to his people. Yeah, who he knows. Who he understands, yeah. like and he knows. Yeah, I was even thinking as you're, as you're talking through that, like, it, it does make sense, like, as much as, you know, insert whoever pastor you look up to as a good teacher, yeah. they don't know the specifics of the situations that you're going through in daily life. They don't know the history of your character. They're they're making generic claims that don't necessarily directly apply to you, which is what you're kind of saying. Or they're making specific claims to people who are in their pews, yeah. right? And that way that they're leading them. And so I think I think this exhortation should bring us to the 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 remembering that our pastors are blessings, and they're not there to harm us. They're not there. They're not there to, um, you know, be my father, or on the other side of it, say, "Oh, he's the God." Like they're not there to be put up on a pedestal either. They're there to preach the word of God. And as far as the word of God is preached, you better be listening because that's for you. 
much as it is for him because of that space that you're in. Yeah, that's definitely true for the leaders. In support of that, you notice not only does it say, it does mention those who spoke to you the word of God, but the stress, I think, of what he says is the next phrase. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Yeah. All these people you listen to on the internet, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I just listened to Modi preach all the way over when I was driving over here. Uh, but all these people that we listen to on the internet, we don't really know. Yeah, we're not able to consider how they Yeah, we don't know how they live yeah. their lives. I mean, it hasn't been that many years, just a couple of years ago, that very famous apologist who passed away, and after the fact it came out the horrible life that he was living. Uh, the point. That's a that's a disgrace and a shame to the name of Christ. And so what this this is really aimed at getting us to consider those people whose lives we have the opportunity to watch in addition to listening to what they have to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I thought of too when, because yeah, there's, it's hard when you're imitating, like obviously you don't want to imitate the bad that someone has done. Like, yeah, that apologist cheated on his wife and maybe had a hand in human trafficking and all this other stuff. And so it's like, <laughs> don't imitate that. Um, I shouldn't have said that he maybe did. He definitely did. <laughs> and yeah, so, but something I thought of too is we don't think sometimes about imitating those that went before us and actually preached the gospel to us. Like there's like my, in my, I think in the line of like how God saved my family and my mom, and my dad was through like one guy that was evangelizing to my grandpa when he had like a heart attack and he kind of knew him and then eventually <coughs> he became a Christian and then my grandma and my grandpa started going to church and then my grandma became a Christian and then I think it kind of like trickles down but I think you can kind of trace that back even if it was just you came in and were not a Christian and then heard the word preached and converted I think that still is an example to you that you can uh, proclaim the gospel but it considered how those people didn't have fear and that they were doing the call of a Christian, which is to preach the gospel. Um, I also thought, too, in a, a real way, we could imitate the Apostle Paul. Because, like, yes, we can, we can uh, imitate Jesus because he's man and God. But, like, Paul was a, not more relatable, but he was fully man and sinned. So it's like... He wrestled with it. Yeah. So he's not just being tempted and then, but he actually knows the path of repentance. Right. He gets to yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought that was an interesting example too, and how uh, he's bold in his faith and shares the truth in love and was a leader and uh discipled well. Anyways, we can move on to the next one. It's good stuff. So then we got Probably one of the most hard-hitting verses of Hebrews is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what does this mean for our relationship with our Savior? What are the implications of him being the same yesterday, today, and forever? Well, 
earlier in Hebrews it says we can have confidence to approach the Holy One, right? And that confidence is based in who the person of Christ is. And I think this just states it extremely plainly where our confidence should be lying because he doesn't change yesterday, today, forevermore. Uh, and it, from what he's already instructed us to be able to approach, I think he's just reinforcing it. And I, all the other things, the fact that he's better. Um, you know, the Abraham was not the same throughout his life. He changed. The, you know, Moses wasn't the same. He changed. Um, Paul. Paul wasn't the same. And everybody, everybody that's mentioned through Hebrews, all, even the people in the Hall of Faith, all these people changed. They all moved from one type of a person to another, except for Enoch, maybe. Um, well, maybe. Uh, but he, he's the same, and it's, that's where our confidence can lie. I was going to say this was also like just in relation to the verse we just read. Like, uh, the author of Hebrews is saying to like look at your leaders and imitate their way of life and uh, like imitate the faith that they had. And then he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Like, he's pointing out that like the source of their of the leaders of of that church or whoever he's preaching to, the source of faith for those leaders is the same source of faith that the audience or the listeners can have too. Kind of like how in most like churches today, people are like, oh, the same Holy Spirit that was in the book of Acts is in you right now. But like... Let's speak in tongues, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but like... More correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, I don't know, I think it's coming out like, like this, this God that gives power to uh, these leaders that they know to like empower their faith. He's the same one who will empower your own, your faith. That you can have your life. Yeah. I think too you can make the with this verse you can make uh, comparisons to just what Jesus has said over the gospels. Um, like one particular I don't remember where it's at, but it's uh Oh no I just lost it. Oh that one. Yeah that one. Uh, it's like I will never leave you or forsake you. I think Jesus said that. I don't know. Yeah. So it's like that stands yesterday, today, and forever and brings a lot of security. Um, I think, too, does it, does it also have to do with the verse following it? Like the statement, like Jesus is Jesus the same as today and forever. They're like, I'm, I'm inserting it there for. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it is. Do not be led away by the diverse and strange teachings, like because Jesus is the same, consistent. And the men spoke the word of God to you that is the same and consistent. Therefore, don't don't go off to something new and fancy. Right, but the what you were saying it does go into the next one because who's he writing to? He's writing to the Jewish Christians that are kind of falling back into their <coughs> sacrifices and ceremonies, and so as like a today comparison. Like if you have the Catholic Church, for instance, like some days it seems from what I've learned, I don't know if this is accurate, but it seems like some days you're on God's good side. Sometimes you're not and you got to get back there and stuff. And so there's been a shift in like where you stand with God, a change. And so then I think he's kind of making that comparison as well with the food. Don't be led astray. 
or don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. So, I mean, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're strengthened by the unchanging grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Yeah. Along the lines of what you were saying, that the, the point of the verse is that Jesus Christ is the same, not that he does the same things. His, his, what, I mean, any parent, any husband, any, whatever relationship you want to, you, you want to look at, isn't going to focus on the same way of getting things done as, as somebody grows and matures that is under their responsibility. They see, okay, at first you needed this. Now you've gone beyond the need for that. You need this, and they and they modify their strategies, their techniques. But the goal, the end result, is the same, and uh, that's why that allusion to the to the other thought isn't really yeah. what the point of the verse is. Throughout the Old Testament, that we hear that God says, I change not, etc. Then Peter, in chapter 2, verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, you know, he's our example of how we need to follow within his steps, because he is the example. The fact that he is the Word, okay, as it is explained in John 1 1, basically, uh, and we have the scripture that we are to follow. And then if we follow his example, yeah, that's a good point. And what do you guys? Uh, what what is? What does it mean to you personally to know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? As sinful as we can be. It's unfathomable. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Fathomable. It means I can sing. He will be fast, and I actually can believe it. Yeah. Like the simple, simple things like. What is our hope in life and death, Christ alone? That doesn't change. Through um, life. How's it go? Through life. There's a constant. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, it is like the only constant. Well, someone says it every Sunday night, but it's like the unchanging constant or something like that? It's, or it's the unchangeable constant? Immutable. Someone, I think it's Corey Dunbar throws it up there once in a while. He's, I'm not going to get up this morning and find that he's like, Tired of you, get away from me. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. He's never changed. Bob Jesson. Uh, the eternal Jesus Christ has never changed. But he did make one significant change. He became human so that we can become sons of God. So, change, um, not, I want you to nuance that just slightly. Well, that's why I was nuancing it that way. Exactly. Because I think that, because you, he didn't change anything about his nature. Well, he added upon himself another nature. And so yeah. change includes that we would change, change. Like, yeah. I'm getting older, for instance. That's a change but in time, but I'm still a human. My nature didn't change. But we have to be careful about parsing it 
that way. He didn't actually make a significant change. He added upon himself the human nature that therefore failed his Godhead. But, yes, as far as... Yeah, that was a good... Well, for eternity, he's, he's eternal human because he'll always bear the scars of the cross on the Correct. eternal body. So, Correct. Yeah. That's an interesting take. Jared? So, I mean, because he is the same today and forever and yesterday, when crap hits the fan in our lives, we can, we can be confident that our circumstances don't change who God is. Our circumstances, our losses, our gains, our joys, our sadness, our sorrow, those don't change Jesus. Those don't change our God. And that's extremely comforting. And those who don't have those who don't have a God that is the same um, can't have that comfort. You know, those who have the God which is themselves definitely can't have that comfort. They they get destroyed by the instances around them, by the by the changes in life, and they become depressed and. Yeah. Sometimes much worse than that. But we can, as Christians, be sure, be steady, even though we get really beaten up sometimes. It just, it just totally dawned on me a funny illustration of this. Um, so SpaceX just launched their super heavy with it blew the, up. Uh, this what? It blew up, right? And it blew up. But um, our much of our life is the exact same way, where we launch this thing. Uh, and it's 40 stories tall, and we're like, yes, it's going to be great. Only to find out, no oh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pieces all around us. But Jesus has never experienced that. Um, he went into it knowing what he was doing. He continued in that path. And so that faith, not in the same kind of way, but in the same, the same kind of faith that he had in his father, um, and in the plan of God, is uh, then he could he could follow it to a team and not wrestle with whether it's right or whether it's wrong. The rightness and wrongness has never occurred to him whether it's the will of his father right or wrong. But in us, we have that constant nagging thought, and so it helps us to see. Okay, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. So the person of Christ and hung up in the person of the Son never changed, and his will is completely tied to the rest of the Godhead. And so in Trinitarian fashion, we have all of God working at one time, and all of God working toward the same goal, to glorify His name, no matter what is going on. And so we can say, in our lives, when, when crap hits the fan, when rockets blow up, when churches fall, when people fail, we can still say with confidence that our Christ, Christ our Savior, is not done any of those things, and we can rest in him. My true rest comes in the one who does not change. Um, I was just saying, though, as you guys were all speaking about this, the the thing that, the thing about about it, though, is that is all true, but the amount that it affects you is, is to the degree that you actually remember that. Yeah. So, like, it's, like, you worship not a bit confused. So, continue. I'm happy. I have bobbing in my head. <laughs> but so you get the like, like you may know that you may know that truth. But when the rocket ship explodes, do you remember that? Yeah. You know what I mean. So I, I think 
how, like, personally, how does it affect me? It affects me in different ways depending on how much I remember in that situation. And so that's another, that's like almost like a, there's almost like this knowing idea, but then also like putting it into practice that you have to do. That is, yeah. that is, could be difficult. So you can know it. Yeah, there was a word that Bob Nick used in that chapter we were in, and I forgot how to say it, but it basically meant, uh, and they talked about it on the Wednesday Conversation podcast, but it basically meant that he's not surprised, and he's not like easily angered, like like you can't pull anything on him, and he's just going to be like, ugh. <laughs> so, he's not like us. Yeah, he's not like us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, you were talking about the different songs that are out there. Uh, that one by Eric so-and-so is like, even when even when I'm not, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. All right, so to verse 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. What the heck is that talking about? We're going camping. There's tents. Erica, we're going camping. Uh, he's saying, like, we, as Christians, like, we have, I guess, like, when he says an altar, I think of more of, like, he's saying, like, we have an inheritance, or we have, like, we have something that those who serve, like, the Jewish altars and stuff, they have no right to take part of, because they're not actually saved, I guess. Like, they're taking part in the food sacrifices and all that other jazz that goes on with the temple. But for, like, the true church, or, like, I guess the true people of God, like, those people who serve a physical temple don't have any place in it and have no right to, like, eat or, you know, you can think of, like, taking part in the church or, like, take up the bread, take up the cup. They have no right to that. Not I, This isn't necessarily talking about communion. I'm just looking at, like, food parallels. Um, like, I don't know. They don't have any right to... Inheritance or like eternity with God because they're not believers. Hmm. But he's using this image of like temple sacrifice because that's particularly, I think, what these people were kind of like being pushed and pulled with. But it's a cool image because, like, I don't know, it's just kind of like no understanding. Oh, oh, okay. It just dawned on me the priestly task was to sacrifice all the food. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they would eat a portion of that were there because that was their portion, yeah. literally. Um, and so there's a level of there's a level of the priest who did the sacrificing of the animal on your behalf mm-hmm. is also able to take that animal. But in this case, we have no right to eat up the sacrifice that Christ made because he himself sacrificed himself. And so he for us on our behalf. There is no there's nothing to eat. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to it. There's not. We don't have rights. We don't have rights to it either. But there's yeah. nothing to it. Uh, I feel, but I feel like I, I thought it was saying more than people who were in the, like the actual. Uh, the text is saying like it's more the actual priests who are serving the tent, not like there's. I think it, I feel like I think that's making a distinction between those who serve the tabernacle tent in the old Testament the old covenant yeah. versus those who serve it in the New Testament. Sense. Like I think it, the way I'm understanding it. We do have a right to partake with someone on the altar because because, part of it. because we're part of it, whereas they don't because they're serving the old system. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's contrasting the I think the 
physical, visible, touchable things that were talked about mm -hmm. earlier all through the book. These people are serving those physical things, not serving God, because it's it's not accompanied by belief. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, I understand without reading the next like four verses, but yeah, <laughs> they all come like in, in isolation. It's hard. To... The, the rest up to fourteen really explains that, but yeah, it, it does seem like it's mainly yeah talking about those who are trying to go back to the tabernacle worship and saying, look. You guys have that, but you have no part in it. It's true now. Right, because they want Jesus plus. And then, hey. Well, even that, it's the food, the food, right at the beginning, if you go above it, it says food, uh, not by food, which have not benefited those who devoted to them. Those who devoted to them. And like, the first thing that came to my mind was gluttons. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the sacrifices in the temple, like they were saying, priests, um, the priest that food that those those sacrifices they were making was no benefit. Yeah, it will be no benefit now because Christ has come. Why don't we just read the next two? Like, I don't know why I isolated that one. <laughs> so I'll read the whole thing. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priests as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Um, and therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. So now we get a little bit more context, which probably would have been helpful in the first place. So why is the author making this connection to the sacrifice in the Old Testament? I think Forrest kind of touched on it a little bit. And Corey. But this was the priests that were going in there and the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. And what were they doing in there? What, what was the point of the sacrifice? To cleanse the people. There's a lot of the people. Cleanse the people. To assuage the wrath of God. Yes. And purify, purify the people in his sight. Okay. And so now, how are. That was the old covenant. So, how are people purified now? Why don't we have priests? Back then, and what Jesus accomplished. The same message of shadow versus substance. Yes. Shadow versus substance. Ooh. They same. serve the shadow. Yeah. We serve the substance. Hmm. Interesting. <coughs> Is there. Oh, never mind. It's a typological understanding yeah. of what's going on here. But Hebrews uses that type and shadow language hmm. over and over. Yeah. In the very beginning. And what do you guys think uh, verse 13 is talking about? Where it says, therefore, let us go to him outside the gate, the camp, and bear the reproach he endured. Bear the reproach he endured. The animals were sacrificed outside of the gate. He didn't go there. He went to the tabernacle. 
You don't go to where they were killed. You don't go to where they suffered. But we're supposed to join with Christ in his suffering, right? We're supposed to be buried, imitate. resurrected. We're supposed to imitate, yeah. We're supposed to be crucified with him, buried with him, resurrected with him. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind what what was tugging at these people to make them want to go back to Judaism. It was the fact that persecution was shifting away from the Jews and toward the Christians. Mm -hmm. And so the writer is saying to them, Stick, stay with Jesus, the true sacrifice, whatever it costs you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And I think, too, it kind of goes back to verse 7 about imitating those leaders who spoke to you the word of God, they probably had some persecution. Like those leaders probably got persecuted. Maybe the people that he's writing to saw them. They had to have seen them get persecuted. Maybe even died. We don't know. Yeah, and so... When you said thing about the leaders, I was like, I guess I know the leaders. But those leaders are imitating Jesus, right. which kind of points back to now where we're at. And so you're imitating them, but he, they're imitating him. Yeah, I know. It's so hard. But here's another thought I was thinking too is that I'm, I'm trying to figure out what does it mean by outside the camp. So like in the Old Testament, I obviously know what outside the camp means, right? But for Jesus, when it says that he went outside of the gate, I, I'm kind of confused at what it's talking about in my mind. Where was where was he killed? So he was killed in Galilee, yeah. right? Outside of the city of Jerusalem, <coughs> right? Jerusalem represents, like, that's where they crucified all the criminals. They couldn't crucify him in the city gates okay? because it was uh, would have been in unclean thing, right? The, this, not just the Sabbath, but what was going on? Passover. Passover was going on. And so you can't crucify a body. You have a dead body in the middle of a clean, cleansing. Yeah, um, but, yeah. Um, however, the outside the gates is where the trash heap was, mm -hmm. where all of the outsiders, uh, all clean people, all yeah. the clean people were. And, and so you did all of that, like all that refuse People to trash um, was outside. Christ went out into that. Yes. It's just like he was tempted for us, um, so that he could be, you know, tempted for us and made like us in many ways, or every way. There's a level of uh, outside the gate, outside the camp. Christ died because inside the camp it was insufficient. That everything that's taking place in Jerusalem and everything that Stan stood for was insufficient to, to bear the sins of the people. Mm -hmm. So what did they have to do on the day of Yom Kippur? They had to send a scapegoat outside yeah. the gates to take away the sins of the people who were unknown. Mm -hmm. Right? Christ died for everything, inside and outside. Mm -hmm. And we are to go with him. Yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking too, is that in, what I was going to say is more generally inside, I would say, inside the camp is where God met us. Right, outside the camp where God doesn't know those people. So when I when I think of going outside the camp, like going outside the gate for us, what does that mean? It's going in my mind it means going from God's presence, like where we outside. You know, to, to a world where it doesn't have his presence, to the world that doesn't know him. I don't know if that's a well one of almost almost the opposite of that. In, okay. in Exodus, when yeah. they place the first tabernacle, um, Moses places it outside of the camp. It's not in the midst of the people where God dwells. God dwells in his tabernacle away from his people. 
yeah, it's almost a, it's, a, it's kind of a shadow to how why Christ has to be killed outside of out, outside of the people, the place Jerusalem, killed outside of that in a place where he is separate. Yeah. And again, where he's killed is an unclean place, but the tabernacle is the clean place, and his blood does what to us? He cleans us. So, like, just to kind of put a point on it, um, it's not the Jerusalem today that is going to be the place or the foundation of the new heavens and new earth. It's the one who comes out of the sky, right? Um, and that's Christ Himself. And in a lot of ways, the new tabernacle is Christ. So, if you are in Him, you are cleansed forever, right? In Him, you are. Yesterday, today. Yesterday, forever. Not like in the same eternal sense. We don't have that. Yeah. But our righteousness is eternal. Right? Our, our, we don't have to go back inside the, the tabernacle and have another sacrifice made. It's already been made. Um, the outside, this outside the city, that Jerusalem was insufficient. There's a new one coming. And that new one, Christ himself, is, is the one who was born on the cross. And then taken down. And buried outside the camp also. So... There's a lot of a lot of like symbolism here that would take literally yeah because I feel like you have more hours yeah I feel like you have to really have to grasp on the Old Testament and the Levitical priesthood system to really understand this case. But in the flow of Hebrews, it goes back to the previous chapter of we have not approached a mountain that can be touched. Yes. In, in the earthly and the heavenly. It's not a kingdom that can be. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Yeah. Whereas the one. That, hmm. Well. Some time left. I can make the last point. And we got uh, verse 14. It says, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And this has kind of been brought up throughout Hebrews, just like the illustration of the high priest and stuff. And so we're to imitate the people that are in the hall of faith because they were seeking the Savior that was coming. Um, and I heard a sermon from this guy named... Brooks Booser, he's a missionary, and he went to an unreached people group that was the Yembe Yembe people in like around like Papua New Guinea or something. In Papua New Guinea? Okay. And they basically, people, these people have never heard of the gospel. All they knew is that there was a tribe kind of near them that some Christians, missionaries went to, and the people kind of had changed, and they gave them these white little things, and their babies stopped dying, and it was pills, and they wanted that. So they were writing some church letters in their native tongue that probably had to be transcribed and everything, but they were writing, like seeking it kind of like to get help. Fast forward to them going to the MBMB people and they start writing Bibles and different stuff for them. And, but they didn't share the gospel with them yet, except for like a couple special cases that people were going to die. Yeah. But they walked, they started in Genesis and they acted out all of these scenes for the people and so the one guy dressed up as Satan with like a black robe and tempted Eve and she ate the fruit and the people were like, no, don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. And then she did eat it and then they were all quiet and they were like, oh. So then as he worked through some of the Old Testament, you'd get these Christ-like characters and they'd be like, oh, like when they got to, yeah, I think it was uh, Cain and Abel. There's different examples. They're like, is he the one that's going to, is this the guy? And he's like, no, it's not him. That's not the promised one yet. And so they have all these people and in a kind of jealous way. I wish I would have learned the Bible like that because it's just, you see the whole picture. Then when you get to Jesus, it makes a huge impact on what happened in Genesis. 
to what he accomplishes. And so it's very similar to how the people in the Old Testament were. They heard about all these stories from the Torah and all these different things, and then they it was all pointed to Christ. And then in the same way for us, we've seen Christ, like the shadow and the substance thing, but now we're awaiting his return. And so we kind of have to ask ourselves, like, and treat every day, like, is this the day that he's going to come back? Am I following him? Am I sharing the gospel with people? Because it could be tomorrow that Jesus comes back. So, yeah, that's all I got, people. Pray. All right, Lord, uh, thank you for our time together. Pray that uh, you'll use the book of Hebrews to continue to point us to you as our great high priest, our uh, perfect sacrifice, our unchanging Lord and Savior, and uh, I just pray that you will be with us in worship and uh, they speak through Johnny as he preaches and uh, that we can just continue to be sanctified in your name I pray. Amen.